What's the thing that scares you the most? Confined spaces and uh, blood particles in the air, the dark, that coral thing that's been staring at me since I came in here. Chris, I'm scared to death. Welcome to the Sum of All Fear podcast, the show that examines real-life phobias and the horror movies that prey on them. So pour yourself something strong, Feardos, and let's find out what makes you afraid. Okay, I've completely fallen off the wagon now. It's not my fault. Even though you will blame me. No. I won't blame you. No, it's you not don't. your fault. Thank you. you there was no that. there was no wagon. You all heard that. <laughs> I never got on the wagon in the first place. And so in order to fall off the wagon, you have to get on the wagon first. And my January sober month uh, has absolutely just has not happened. So the Bears made the playoffs. There's lots of cool shows coming up. There's, there's no way that I'm not going to uh, have a few drinks here and there. So I decided to abandon the concept of getting on the wagon. I'm very proud of you for finally admitting it. It's the first step to true recovery. <laughs> it's a done, it was a done deal before it started. Surprise, surprise. So I'm, I'm sitting here with my, uh, with my, I've got my Manhattan. Uh, got my Rebel Yell whiskey. I've got my, uh, I got some new bitters to put in my 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 Manhattan, uh, and I'm I'm happy. It's good. What are you drinking? All is well. Um, well, I have two mugs tonight. Uh, one is a mug of elegant chai tea that says "Keep calm and drink coffee" on the outside, and the other is a mug cake. My new best friend. None of those have alcohol in them. No, zero alcohol. You did I'm have okay some with... earlier, though. I had some rosé wine. You had a, you had a half, half a glass of rosé. I'm okay with that. That's okay. That's fine. How dare you, you lush. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Please. You're just <sighs> a dirty, dirty drunk. Mm. So we, we, we completed an episode. We got through episode one. And thank you for listening if you did, uh, because... We did about 10 times ourselves, and we know how rough it was. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was, a it was rough. It was on the rougher side. That's okay. It's okay. We got through it, though. We, 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 we broke our cherry. You got to fall down to learn. Broke our podcast cherry. So, right. you know, we, we definitely went back and went, oh, shit. We didn't say this, and we didn't include this. And, well, oh, we got a little, we got a little like, uh, when confused you put it, over here. When you put it in a sex metaphor, they'll have to come back in 20 years before we're any good. True. Absolutely true. You're never any good for the first, <laughs> you know, 10 years at least. Please. So we've got, a, we've, got a ways, we've got a ways to go before this is going to turn into uh, to, to something worth listening to, right? But, but I'm very excited about episode two. I think we have... We, we both were so excited about this episode compared to the last episode yeah. uh, that we, we've only gone, like, what has it been, two days since we recorded the first one? And we're like, oh my gosh, this one's going to be so much better. I'd be so excited. Well, because you listen to it and you see all the holes in it and then people give you feedback and it's, you know, it's really relevant. You go, oh, I want to do that better. And so you want to kind of jump back on well, it. Well, not just that, but I think our topic for this one is so much better than it our is. first one. And like, there's a lot more... Not that, not that there connection. was anything wrong with the first one, but the set, this this one is much more focused. It's much more darkness was so broad. It was a broad. Um, it was a broad one. 
and, and I didn't get to bring up, you know, I'm I'm a religion major, I'm a theology right. major. I didn't bring up light light and dark in religion at all. Like I didn't talk the about any of those. Of that. Yeah, there was so many things that I missed. And 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 honestly, it's about we want to tie in horror movies, and literally I could not think of like <laughs> A horror movie to land on. Well, you kind of blanked or you just went across the spectrum. We just went through, I went through so many of them. You know, we, we talked about 30 Days of Night. We talked about Blair Witch Project and all those. But this, this phobia, I've got one movie that we are going to very, we're going to, we're going to break it down. You made going me to, watch it, y'all. Yeah. I'm going to make her watch, I'm going to make her watch every movie that, that uh, we focus on. Because that's my goal. My goal is. In this podcast, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the phobia, and then we're gonna break down one specific movie. We might talk about a few other movies, you know, as well, mixed in, but it's gonna be focused on one movie the majority of the time. So we can really dive in and analyze a specific movie. I think that'll be a lot more fun because that way you and I can watch it. We can kind of right. we can kind of absorb it and soak it in, and then we can. Give we me any time to soak this one in. This one was crazy. I know we just finished watching it like, like ten minutes ago. It was a good idea though. This one, being the second one, um, it's also very relatable personally. So uh, as soon as I found out that this was the mm-hmm. topic, I kind of was like, "Oh crap!" I can tell so many stories about this. Yeah, and... both of us have some some personal stuff uh, connected to this phobia, so that'll be a fun one. Yeah. Um, so I'm Drew, and, and this is my wife, Chris. Hello. I know we're five minutes in already, but um, I just wanted to uh, give a quick introduction. We are married. We are doing a podcast uh, called Some of All Fear, and uh, Chris is uh, in the mental health field, and she has some, some highfalutin fancy degrees in that field, and I'm, uh, I have a background in history and religion, and I'm a big horror movie nerd, and, uh, and so we're going to dive right in. Are we going to dive right into the phobia, or do you have something else planned for us? No, I have something else. Um, I thought we would play a game, because... Oh, a game! A game! I'm so excited. Oh, yippee. Because um, I know how much you love game shows and Jeopardy, and you're very competitive and brilliant. Um, oh, and so any chance so I get... So brilliant. Keep telling. Come on, keep talking. <laughs> any chance I get to stump my husband, uh, I am 100% going to take advantage of. Um so you think you're gonna stump me? I hope I'm gonna. You stump think you're you. gonna step up? You gonna step up to the streets? You gonna step up to me? I was hoping that this would not fast become a confrontation. <laughs> this is quickly becoming a confrontation. <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, I, I am going to stump you. And Bring it on, man! I'm gonna stump you, and you're gonna learn something. Bring it on! Yeah. Okay. So this is how the game works. Um, it's called What the Fear. And I'm Did you going, make this game up? I totally did. I like it. <laughs> it's called What the Fear? And it's a game show. Do you have to show. say it like that? No, but I have... Can we? Can yeah. we say it like that every time? Sure. Please? Sure. Say it again. What the fear? <laughs> you say it now. What the fear? There you go. Okay, you have to say it like that. I like it. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give you um, a phobia, and you have to tell me what that is a fear of okay so i'm going to give you and these are probably not ones that we're going to address or I double, they, they might they might come up at some point later on they might come up tangentially later on um but for the most part i have picked ones for this 
game show that are not on our list. So they should be unfamiliar to you, but with how much you know about root words, I wouldn't be surprised if you got a couple of them. So let's see how much you can piss me off. Right, let's go. Bring it on. <laughs> Bring it on. Okay. So the first one, uh, chiclelophobia. 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 Can I get spellings? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Would you like to buy a vowel? Can you can you uh, use it in a sentence? Uh, okay, I'll give you the spelling. I'm not going to use it in a sentence. <laughs> I can barely say the word once. Okay, C H I C L E L O phobia. Chiclelophobia. The fear of water. The fear of being underwater. Eh. Damn, that was loud. I know. You just I blew didn't... everybody's eardrums out. I know, I'm sorry. That was really loud. <laughs> the sound, it picks up sound really easily. I'm, I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, no, that is wrong. Um, the correct answer is the fear of chewing gum. Huh. Oh, and that makes sense. Like chiclets. You know, I almost yep, went there. I chiclets. almost went there too. Damn it. Uh, I thought you. I, I thought almost you went there. Yes, I'm one. I'm one for one. Um, I don't even know why I went with water, except for I was thinking something about Chicago and the root as being some Indian word related to marshland or water or something. I don't know. You were so off. Way off. I'm two whiskeys uh, deep now. All right, I'm off the wagon. You're never on the wagon. <laughs> um, so guess which celebrity has a fear of chewing gum? <gasps> Oprah. Really? Oprah has such an extreme fear of chewing gum that she forbids it anywhere near her studio. Um, and she's gone so far as to become so enraged at the sight of it that she that someone had left a piece of chewing gum around that she threw the dinner plate that it was on um, against the wall. Well, whatever planet she's from, like I, I parked her car once. In uh, when I when I was valet parking, oh, this uh, is one of cars. those fake stories. This is a true story. No, I, it's a true story. Her, that her driver pulled up. A bunch of her ladies got out, and they all went into lunch at a restaurant I was working at in Chicago, and uh, and they they gave us a hundred dollar tip just to tell them where to park, which was pretty cool. But I swear to you, her head barely fit through the door. I don't know what planet she's from, but people should not have heads that big. Oprah's head is, it it there there are other planets. Revolving around it, there's something wrong with that. People are listening. Right I'm just now. saying. I'm just saying. Nothing. She, hey, she now will never be on the she own was, network. She was a very nice lady, but giant melon, giant melon. All right, what's the next one? You are harshly judgmental. Too. Are we just doing one? Or are we doing multiple? No, I have three for you. Is that okay? okay? Yeah, let's keep going. Okay. Then. Okay. <clears throat> the next one. Omelia trophobia. Spell it, please. Omelia trophobia. O-M-E-L-I-A-T-R-O-phobia. What the fear is this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you like that so much. Omelia-a-phobia. Omelia trophobia. Omelia trophobia. Omelia trophobia. Oh man, the fear of Omelia. Omelia trophobia. The fear of 
or omeliatrophobia. And it starts with an O, right? Not yeah. an A? O. Omelia. Gosh, I don't know. The fear of, of hearing weird noises. No, that's very wrong. I, I had a feeling it probably was. <laughs> I didn't want to blow everybody's ears out. <laughs> um, no, this is, this is the fear of talking food. Anthropomorphized food. Of food talking. Yeah. So if somebody like like taking their their like in that No, uh, like veggie tales. Like in that scene in How I Met Your Mother where, where she makes her, her breakfast oh, sandwich talk. Thank God. Yes, I know exactly <laughs> what scene. We've watched that way too much. Um, <laughs> so actually Kevin Bacon says that uh wife Kira Sedgwick has a terrifying fear of anthropomorphized food. <laughs> Her phobia is so bad that if she sees a commercial with anthropomorphized food, she gets up and immediately leaves. So would like Mr. Peanut be a problem? Yes, anthropomorphized food. So any sort of anthropomorphized, anthropomorphized food. food. So so any food talking. Anthropomorphized food. Yeah. That's 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 quite funny. All right, let's get to the last one. Okay. Let's, let's move this let's move um, this ship along here. All right. This one if you don't get, uh, I'll be surprised. Ready? Ovophobia. Ovophobia. The fear of sperm? Oh, you're so close. The fear of eggs. Oh, see, I knew. in the vicinity. Not necessarily (laughs) like, like, like ovary eggs. But, but just um, eggs in general. Eggs in general. Eggs in general. That makes sense. I was, I almost, I, yeah, I was, I was, I was right in the same ballpark. I was and thinking this, ovaries and eggs. And, that was a really good attempt. I'll give you that. So this phobia. Spermophobia uh, or something like that would probably be. Spermatophobia. Pretty, pretty similar, yeah. Um, so this phobia uh, hits really close to home um, with our um, director for our our the movie, movie later today, on yes that we haven't announced um, yet yeah i keep looking at my phone and so i keep getting distracted we haven't um, talked about it yet well you did kind of give it away already but i did okay. uh alfred hitchcock was really terrified of eggs he was once quoted as well saying, he looked like an egg so maybe that was the problem he was once quoted as saying that white round thing without any holes have you ever seen anything more revolting than an egg yolk breaking and spilling its yellow liquid? <laughs> well, as we will find, as we will discuss later on, Hitchcock had some severe pathological, psychological problems. He had some stuff going I on. I think overall, in general. Yeah, he had some stuff going on. So, all right. Wonderful game. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for playing. What was the title of it again? What the fear? I like it. I hope it's a recurring segment on the show. Um, it better be. Only if fans request it. Fans? All three of them? Mm-hmm. All two and a half of mm-hmm. them? Um, let's talk about our our phobia today. Let's talk about our topic. Okay. And our topic today is acrophobia, which is the fear of heights. Uh, also a very common fear, fear, but but one that I think is not quite as as crazy broad as the one we talked about uh, in the first episode. Um, it comes from the the Greek word akron, 
And Akron means peak or summit or edge, um, height. It, it has to do with kind of that peering over, being on the edge, being up at the tallest pinnacle. Uh, so that's uh, that's our that's our etymology of the uh, of the word. And uh, and why don't you explain to us a little bit more about what this phobia is and and what it's all about? Well, so technically, it's um, the fear of high places and the physical sensations that occur as a result of them. Um, it's one of the specific phobias under space and motion discomfort, and it's one of the phobias that I'm personally most comfortable with. Um, <laughs> comfortable with because you're uncomfortable with. I'm so uncomfortable with it. There's this really <laughs> awkward story of a 4th of July. Hold on. Wait, let's not get there yet. Oh, let's keep, let's dig into the phobia okay. first before we get into it because we have a couple of good, of really good personal <clears throat> anecdotes <laughs> to okay. share. But let's talk a little bit more about what the phobia entails and like what it is before we get into like the personal stuff. Thanks for keeping me on track, man. I'm trying. You're doing good. Um... Okay, so approximately 2 to 5% of the population struggles with a specific phobia, phobic level fear of heights. Um, it's that hyperreaction to that normal fear response, uh, learned or otherwise. And as we find out with the fear of heights, it's not like other fears where it develops early on. Uh, generally, we actually see it worsen later in life when most phobias would lessen because the adrenal response um isn't as you know isn't yeah. as refined when you, you were telling you were telling me uh yesterday that that actually it in it gets worse and worse like even as as people get into elderly years it gets much more pronounced yeah like when we look at um the fear of heights as it develops we see kids um infants are very curious about ledges um, once they learn to notice them, once their depth perception grows, uh, and they learn to notice them, they're actually very curious about ledges. Uh, they're not displaying mm -hmm. fearful behaviors. So, um, something like, uh, an event that caused a fall from a height could potentially scar them and give them that, you know, the base of that fear. Um, but we find that just like most fears, there's part biology and part, um, you know, experience or environment that. I, mean, I noticed with our boys that that when they were when they were little, you know, when they're that two, three, four year old, and you take them to the to the park and the jung and the jungle gym, they There's they no dart fear. they dart up to the top of everything, and you're just like, holy shit! Like, get down from there! Like, you're gonna fall! You're gonna you're gonna eat it! You're gonna land on your face! You know? Yeah. And they're just up there, blah, blah, blah. they don't care. They have no idea what that means, you know. And and I think that maybe that is, you know, once you get it is it's funny. I think. Um, I wonder how many times that develops at that age when they fall from a, you know, from a, from a higher uh, spot and they realize, oh, there's danger up here. You know, this is, this, this is not a, you know, this is not a good thing to be up at this, this high level because I could fall and hurt myself. Right. And I don't, I can't remember um, any one time except maybe this might have something to do with it in, in my life, how it originated. Well, well, let's, let's let everybody know you have a pretty oh yeah a pretty hardcore fear of heights i do so beyond and and i would say definitely beyond like your, your normal fear like i would say i would be in the camp of i'm not a big fan of heights i don't particularly like heights i get a little bit of of these symptoms that come with you know with acrophobia when i get to 
to certain places or stand on the edge of you know high places. You, however, have a <laughs> panic attack level kind of fear of heights, which which possibly could be diagnosed. However, and, and this and this is something we were talking about before. Five percent of the population has a fear of heights. That's clinical. That means they've gone somewhere. They've actually been diagnosed. They have that clinical. They meet specific criteria. Criteria, for duration, frequency, and intensity. There are probably a lot of people, possibly yourself included, that could be included in that percent in that in in a, probably in a higher percentage, but that never go in and get treated or or anything because you just avoid high places. <laughs> you avoid heights, right? Well, yeah, yes and no. Um, sometimes I can't, and when I can't, I, you know, I just go for it. Like the other day when we walked across that bridge over the Truckee River that I never wanted to go across. It's just a bridge. It's just a normal bridge. It just happens to have some slats it in the bridge has, that you can see down yeah, into the water a little bit. Yeah, you can see down into the water. And that's part of where scientists think that this fear originates from um, is... Um, when your brain fixates on the environment and takes in information, it tends to take in things within like 20, 30 feet around you. Um, and when there's an expanse of space, it kind of gets really like stuck. You know, it doesn't know quite what to do. And it can lead to a lot of really interesting responses from the body because of that. Um, you know, like... If you're, there's two, there's a couple of different situations. So you can be afraid of being up high and enclosed in something, or you can be afraid of being uh, up high in an expansive vista, or you can have both, right? Mm -hmm. So the first one would be like being in an elevator, um, like right. going up the Atlantis glass elevator. Yeah, the Atlantis know? Casino elevator is glass and, and, uh, I've seen Chris sit down on the floor. I sat down elevator. and faced the silver door and just kind of... Because she couldn't look behind her like or around her at all I, because And I needed glass. to be close to the ground, which is kind of a hallmark of, um, you know, this specific phobia is that kind of dive down to, mm -hmm. to grasp onto something, even though the whole thing is moving. It's moving and it's, you know, and, and Makes you're, no you're just as protected as you are as if it, it, if it was enclosed. There's no difference between right. the glass and the... But but the visual, the sensation, all that stuff. It's so this goes back to so go back to your story now. So we were we were dating um, very early on. This was like July of like 2011. I'm guessing. Oh gosh, I don't even. Um, know. July 4th, 2011. I would guess it was Fourth of July party at a friend's house, coworker's house, and you. Uh, Everyone went out on the roof. We yeah we were going we were good, we were going to climb up on it's a one it was a one story house not a big house, um, very You're low. Just shaming me. No. <laughs> I'm just presenting the picture. It was a low house. It was, uh, not, not like a real high roof. Uh, we weren't climbing on the second story. How low was it? <laughs> How big of a deal did I make it, Drew? <laughs> it was Jeez. so low. You could literally it just... It was so, definitely. like, it was tiny low. So we all, decided, we all decided we could go see the fireworks if we climbed up on the roof. And so we're like, oh, man, we're all drunk. And, you know, we've been partying all night. And, and uh, but... I said, oh, Chris, let's go, you know, let's go up on the roof. And I didn't know how bad her fear of heights was. Um, do you want to, to uh, continue or should I, should I keep going? Sorry, I was, I, was, I was telling your story for you. No, I just remember a lot of blurry crying. <laughs> so you can tell it. <laughs> I really so, do. Like. So we climbed up on that fence, uh, uh, just a, a regular, you know, wood <sighs> fence in the side yard that kind of cut across to the... I'm going to eat my feelings. <laughs> 
they cut across to the the roof and and we we there was a couple of friends and we hoisted her up onto the fence and then she was standing on top of the fence and then it was really just like maybe three four feet like basically throw your leg up onto the roof and then you could crawl right up onto the roof and then we all were sitting up there and i pushed her up like by her butt and got her up which was super hot because we were still dating early on so i was pushing her up by her butt up onto the roof and uh, and she got up there and she crawled up to the top and you could tell right away that this was this was not a, this was not a comfortable place for her not to okay the fourth of july fireworks <laughs> this was not going to instill in her the spirit of patriotism watching the fourth of july fireworks from from this vantage point because she was a wreck she was like laying flat on the roof and you could see the sweat and she was she started crying and it got worse though when we tried to come down getting up wasn't the hardest part right and i think that's probably true of most heights things right Getting up isn't always the, isn't the worst part. It's the it's the coming down the because you have to look down. you have to look down, and uh, and as we were coming down off the roof, I remember just tears and like basically having to like hand you to somebody else to basically grab you and pull you down off the roof. And that was when I realized, oh shit, this is this isn't just this isn't just a little bit of a fear of heights. This is a legitimate like panic attack inducing fear. Yeah, I don't am, like I, am I right? Yeah, no, I don't like heights. I don't. I don't do them well. Um, I tried to. Like, there's a bridge um, from Baton Rouge or from Lafayette to Baton Rouge that Louisiana, I'm already like. Where you went to school? That I'm already like preparing myself for us to drive across because I'm very familiar with it. Because we're going to New Orleans <laughs> soon, which I think we mentioned last time, which I'm excited about. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of already. That's the Chafalaya Basin. No, that's just, it's the bridge that goes over the Mississippi uh, as you get into Baton Rouge. Oh, oh a smaller bridge. Yeah. Um, but higher. The Chafalaya Basin Bridge <laughs> does low, not right? bother me. It's right me. down on the water almost. Yeah, it doesn't, well, I mean, if you step out of the car and you look over, yeah, it's going to bother me. But if you're just cruising along, you know, it's just all kind of trees and it looks very serene. So you don't really realize that it's a 26 mile long bridge. So there, you're stuck on it. So there's a difference between your kind of fear, right, and my kind of fear. So my kind of fear is, I, like, I was I was in, um, I did cable for uh, a couple of years where I installed cable. And, and part of doing that was climbing up telephone poles and getting up on roofs and, and doing those kinds of things. And I didn't realize how afraid of heights I was until I started cl- crawling up telephone poles and realizing, like, I would actually intentionally cancel, you know, I was one of those cable guys who probably canceled people, on you. People, yeah, people cussed about because I, I would get up, pull up to a house and realize, oh man, I'm gonna have to climb that rickety old telephone pole that was probably built in the 1960s. See, but that seems like a legit. Fear, oh, I, I think you know? yeah. I mean, I think there was definitely like that's like legit, literally a but, concern. But for I had co- but I had coworkers that you know they would throw on their spiked spiked boots and they would just throw on their belt and hike up that thing like it was no, like it was no big deal, you know? And, and so I definitely have that kind of fear inside of me, but it's not like, it's not like I didn't, I never curled up in a ball and started crying because of it or, or you had a panic attack, you know, panic, but you, not a panic attack. You never took your wife to a World Series game? <laughs> Playoff game. World Series playoff game. It was a playoff game, not a World Series playoff game. I'm sorry. Because those a, don't exist. A playoff game. Sorry. <laughs> I'm tired. This is way past my bedtime. Um, you never took your wife to a playoff game and and bought tickets in the 
freaking nosebleeds and didn't realize that <laughs> how dang now who's shaming now who's shaming who deep those were I really had no clue like I thought I did not have any idea they shook yeah they shook while we, we went to sat we went there. to AT&T Park to see the Cubs in the playoffs it's a against beautiful park. against the Giants it's beautiful it's a beautiful place but I bought tickets up in the bleachers the Giants uh, up, suck up, it. up in the but it's a beautiful upper park. deck and it is it's so vertical, and if you've ever sat up in a high, a lot of stadiums are built like that now, where they're just very vertical. Um, and when we first got up there, Chris was like, "Oh shit!" Like she didn't even know she'd get to her seat. She got to her seat, but then basically stayed there the entire time, except for maybe I think he got up once in like, and it was an extra inning game that we ended up. It went eighteen innings. No, it didn't. It Wasn't it that tw- one? Twelve innings. Twelve innings. It felt like eighteen. <laughs> I don't know, but it was. But it yeah, was it was 12 a long, innings it was a too long, long game. for me at that height. Um, but one of the things that, as I was doing research for this, I found out was there's this thing called proprioception. And I'm probably saying it a little disjointed, but that's because I'm trying to say it properly. Proprioception, um, which is the brain's unconscious awareness of where it is at in space at any particular time. Um so it has to do with the inner ear, the eyes, um, the sense of touch, smell, and hearing kind of puts everything together. And that's what proprioception is made of in your brain. Um, and so that gets messed up when you're up that high. Mm-hmm. You know, your your body's sense of where it's at in the world is incorrect because it's like ground down there. Me up here. How? Me no fly? And, and then there's some people who are like, my Brain is telling me I should dive off. Well, that's the thing too. So tell me about so tell me about this 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 uh, phenomenon. There, so I'll lead into that. Um, but there's this group online of um, researchers that did studies on um, mountain climbers and rock climbers who are afraid of heights and how they conquered that like intensely afraid of heights anywhere else, but when they're rock climbing or they're whatever. fine. But yeah. they're fine when they're rock climbing. Yeah. But anywhere else they're f- afraid of heights? Yeah. Like they can't. That's they, crazy. Their brain hasn't learned to overcome it um, across a variety of situations. So that was really fascinating. I mean, I wanted to look more into that. but Now, do they ever want to just dive off the rock when they're rock climbing? Tell us about this phenomenon. Because I, really I really want to get to this before we get to our movie. Oh, man. Okay. So I have to pull up my notes really quick. This is going to be a longer episode. Um. In Is the that, meantime, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But. In the meantime, a 2012 study uh, from the Brigham Hospital in Boston found that those with phobic anxieties displayed shortened telomeres, which are the little caps that go on your DNA that protect your DNA, um, which suggests that there's an influence on premature aging related to um, specific phobias. Really? Yes. So phobias can age you faster. I mean, stress ages you faster. It's kind so of I guess that makes concept, I guess that but. makes sense. Okay. So there's this... Did you not include this in your notes? I, I didn't have time to write it all down in handwriting. <sighs> I don't have a laptop I am computer. so disappointed in you. Uh, you and everyone you and your note. You and your notebook. I am, I am really... You're never going to get into Yale. I'll never... You're never going to get into Yale this way. I will never get an honorary degree and speak at a Yale... No, you can get honorary, you can get honorary degrees just from being like an actor. Oh, okay. So... Well, yeah, I cannot act, that. so let's be real. Okay, anyways, um, so there's this phenomenon that's a, that occurs um, in high places called the high place phenomenon, um, and it's this 
fear that many report when they're up high. They have a fear of being up high because they feel strangely pulled to jump. Not like suicidal, like these folks, um, they did studies and, you know. They're not suicidal in any other area of their suicidal, life. They're not suicidal, you know, not... uh, uh, half and half when they did the study of people with phobic disorders, exactly what you would think of, about half, you know, had had suicidal thoughts and the other half sure. hadn't, right? But not all had this MPP, uh, or HPP, I'm sorry, high place phenomenon. Um, they feel like they might lose control of themselves and just... So you're standing, you're, you're, you're going, you and your family, you pull up in your station wagon, you're at the Grand Canyon, and you're like, Ma, bring the kids, let's go walk out to the edge, and you get out to the edge, and and all of a sudden they have this sensation that this they urge. want to dive off of the cliff. Just to walk off, to, to leap off of it, to jump off of the staircase, to jump off of and the so Grand Canyon. And so that's the basis of their fear of heights, is that they... They worry that they want to, that they're going to want to. That they will, will not be able to restrain that feeling. To keep from right? jumping off. Because we talked about that's the fear of high places and the physical sensations that occur in response to high places, right? So think of the physical sensation of feeling pulled to jump off of somewhere that you know if you did, you would be badly injured. That's crazy. It's very counterintuitive. I can see it though. I mean, I can, I can see the draw to just want to like, man, what would it be like to just fly off of this very high spot. So you know, Kierkegaard, and... it, way back when, um, obviously this is not something that, that is new. I know you do. Um, this is not something that's that's a new sensation that has been reported. This is something that in the 19th century, you know, he spoke about in his book, The Concept of Anxiety. Um, he said, he whose eyes happen to look down into the yawning abyss becomes dizzy. But what is the reason for this? It is just as much in his own eyes and in the abyss. Hence, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. Hmm. So, I mean, that's really deep. But um, <laughs> scientists, like scientists now uh, point to a cognitive dissonance between um, two, sy two systems in the brain. You feel kind of slightly off balance and your body seeks to right itself. And... Yet your brain gets confused because there's no real off balance or danger. Hmm. So then there's this conflicting message because you're not falling. And in fact, you're probably not close enough to the edge to fall. So why is your body trying to correct itself and sending me all these signals to like back away or, or to jump towards to, to kind of resolve that? Um, so yeah, they say that that feeling, um, as far as they can tell is the result of that miscommunication. Um, and it's confusingly triggered by the desire not to fall. The brain is a fucked up place. Right. And we're going to learn that more and more and more as we dig into these phobias, just how messed up your brain is folks. Like your, your, your brain is, is a is a really scary, dangerous place. What's really There's all kinds of crazy shit that's going on in there. What's really crazy is that phobias occur, you know, across um, across barriers, you know, across cultural barriers, all that kind of stuff. So the French even have a word for this. Do you remember what the word was? No. What was it? I know you told me. Le, uh, I don't know if I can speak <laughs> French. La du vide, which means the call of the void. Oh, uh. I like that. That's so good. That would have related a lot to our last episode too, I think. That, I know. That whole darkness the concept. Call the, the, darkness, call the darkness, the call of the void. The call of the void, right? 
um, wanting to wanting to to dive into that. That's so interesting. I think um, as we, I have some French I have to pronounce soon too. Yes, you do. I'm not very excited about either. <laughs> um, let's dig into our movie, right? Okay. Our whole concept here is that we are we are talking about phobias. We're gonna we're gonna dive in and do some dissecting of these these super fascinating, interesting phobias, this crazy shit that goes on in our brain. And then we're going to transition into a movie. At first we talked about movies, which I'm guessing we'll probably at times mix it up with a few different movies. In the first episode, I couldn't freaking land on a, on a movie to save my life because it was such a broad phobia. Um, but this one, this one we've got, we've got a good one. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about. There was a few movies that I had I had I had, I had some scenes in mind, and some of them weren't horror movies. I was thinking like like Die Hard, right? There's the scene like on top of Nakatomi Tower where you know he's hanging off and all that crazy shit. Like those are there's a lot of action movies that have some really height fear anxiety provoking scenes. Um, but in, you know, surprisingly in horror movies, there's not a ton. There's not a whole lot of them. Um, I thought about Stand By Me, mm -hmm. which is a Stephen King short. So I guess it's horror adjacent. Right. Um, and the, the scene on the, on the, I'll allow it on the bridge, yeah, right. With the bridge the, scene is terrifying. With, with the train and all that kind of stuff. Like that's terrifying. That's a terrifying fear of heights type of scene. Um, but no, no movie was even close uh, in my opinion, to capturing kind of... Your James Stewart bias. The whole... Shut up. <laughs> to capturing the whole concept of, of acrophobia and, and literally about a character that suffers from acrophobia than Alfred Hitchcock's 1958 Vertigo. Vertigo is a perfect movie to pair with this phobia, right? He literally... Uh, defines his phobia in the first in the first five minutes. ten minutes, yeah. right? Five ten minutes. I had to quit. Why? Well, it's because of this fear of heights. I have this acrophobia. I wake up at night seeing that man fall from the roof, and I try to reach out to him. It's just. It wasn't your fault. I know. That's what everybody tells me. Johnny, the doctors explained to you. I know. I know. I have acrophobia, which gives me vertigo, and I get dizzy. Boy, what a moment to find out I had it. Well, you got it, and there's no losing it. And there's no one to blame. So why quit? You mean to sit behind a desk, chairboard? Where you belong. What about my acrophobia? What about... Now, suppose, suppose I'm sitting in this chair behind the desk. Here's the desk. And a pencil falls from the desk down to the floor. I reach down to pick up the pencil. Bingo, <laughs> my acrophobia is back. Oh, Johnny-o. Um, and because... And, and so the story goes that... <clears throat> That, uh, that, you know, Jimmy Stewart, Jimmy Stewart's a star, and by the way, I, I am a huge Jimmy Stewart fan, so. He is a boner for Jimmy yeah, Stewart. Yeah, I freaking love Jimmy Stewart. It's a Wonderful Life's my favorite movie of all time. Um, I think anything that Jimmy Stewart's in, and I love his Hitchcock movies, you know, Rear Window and, and Rope, and God, I mean, the, the, Jimmy Stewart is awesome. So. Jimmy Stewart. The fact, the, the fact that this, that this, 
movie fell uh, into the second episode it just is my favorite thing in the world. It seemed to really energize you. I was very excited. Very excited. And so in this movie, Jimmy Stewart stars uh, as a former police detective, uh, John Scotty Ferguson. And Scotty is forced into early retirement uh, because an incident in the line of duty has caused him to develop acrophobia. And basically it's him hanging off of a building in the beginning and he watches this, this other police officer very poorly try to save him. Like the guy just basically just bends over and just tumbles off the, the building. Hitchcock doesn't like it when you point out the flaws. <laughs> well, there's a lot of, Hitchcock had a lot of flaws, there's no doubt, but he was a genius too. Uh, but the guy goes tumbling over the edge and, and Jimmy Stewart's character, you know, looks over and looks down and sees this guy uh, pummel to his death. And then we see this amazing, what's called a dolly zoom, which was Hitchcock's, which was first used in Vertigo, Vertigo, and later it was used in Jaws, it was used in um, Goodfellas, it was used in a lot of big movies, and it was a, a camera technique that basically disoriented you and made you look, made it look like the ground was farther away or something was was disoriented, you know, in the distance. And in Vertigo, it was used expertly. It was such a cool, cool effect. Um, so he looks down, he sees the ground kind of all wobbly and gets this vertigo, right? And vertigo is different than acrophobia, right? Vertigo is a symptom, right. correct? or a set of symptoms that often occur simultaneously with acrophobia. Right, so it's basically a disorienting kind of uh, tunnel vision-y <clears throat> kind of spinning. It's... it's a spinning effect, right, where yeah. everything kind of spins around you. Um, and so that's kind of the basis of his acrophobia. And he, and so so Jimmy Stewart then goes along um, and he's got this extreme fear of heights now and this, this, this rotational kind of spinning vertigo. Um, and then Scotty is then hired by uh, an acquaintance of his, a, an old friend from college that hires him to go follow his, what he thinks is his wife. Uh, spoiler alert, by the way. We're going to spoil movies all over the place in this, in this podcast, just so everybody knows. Um, and he follows her for, for a while and, and then you know, ends up falling in love with her. And then there's this scene where uh, they end up at the top of a, of a bell tower at the, I believe it's the San Juan Batista Mission in San Francisco, because it all takes place in the Bay Area in San Francisco. Um, and he's, he's chasing this woman up, up a staircase, and they get to the top. She gets to the top. He can't make it, because all of a sudden he starts getting his, 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 symptoms. his symptoms of his acrophobia again, right? He starts seeing things, and that... Alfred Hitchcock dolly zoom starts coming in and we see him freaking Which out. Which is really disorienting. Oh, it's so dirty. Oh, like, I bet watching. It. I don't like it. Um, and anyway, so that, so, so she ends up dying or jumping off the top of, of, of the bell tower and he realizes that it's his failure and his phobia that has caused the death of this woman because he wasn't able to go up and rescue her before she committed suicide or dove off, off the thing. And then we go into this whole mistaken identity, Alfred Hitchcock twist type deal. Um, and then ultimately at the end, he's so filled with rage because of what he finds out at, at the end of the movie that he basically overcomes his acrophobia in the end um, by, you know, by kind of this seething revenge kind of feeling that he has inside of him. Uh, but what's so cool about this movie is it really it really is so centered on the fact that he has, he has this debilitating thing that yeah. came about from a traumatic experience, mm -hmm. right? Jim, Jimmy Stewart has this, 
this thing that came about because of this thing that happened in the line of duty and it has affected now his whole life, right? And mm-hmm. I made Chris watch it um, start to finish. So we just, we literally just finished watching it. And I love this movie too. I actually had a poster uh, of Vertigo in my apartment when I was like 22, maybe 21. I loved, because I'm a big Hitchcock fan. And this was to me one of, you know, it's one of my top, top three Hitchcock movies for sure. Um, but what'd you think? What'd you think of the, of, of the way that they painted this picture of this guy suffering from this phobia uh, in, in Vertigo? I mean, I thought, I thought it was accurate how, how debilitating it can get um, with just one glance out, you know, over the stairs that it can change everything for him. Well, and think about the scene, think about the scene in the beginning, right? Where he's got his, 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 his college gal pal that I guess at one point they were engaged um, and he's describing his acrophobia to mm-hmm. her and, and he's recovering from his accident and he says, you know what? You know, I'll just get up right up there on that, uh, I'll get up on that there stool and, you know, I'll just, I'll just gradually work my way up and I'll be fine. You know, that's my Jimmy Stewart, by the way. Um, and, and so he gets Jimmy up on the Stewart stool would be proud. and he gets up on the stool, right? And he's, and, he, and he's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. You know, no, no problem. I'm, <laughs> this is the greatest thing in the world. I'll, I'll just, I'll just work my way up. Hell, I'll go buy myself a, a I'll, I'll buy myself a ladder. And, uh, and he starts going up the, the the stool, right? And he gets to the second, third rung. And then he gets to the top rung of the of the three-rung stool and he looks out the window. Mm-hmm. He and makes the mistake of looking out the window. Instead of just being present where he is, he sees out the window and looks down the alley and all of a sudden... And he, it throws everything off. He, he basically passes out, yeah. you know, into, into her Which arms. is the last thing that your body should want to do aside from jumping off of it the last thing your body should want to do is pass out in a situation where you're looking over the edge of something. Right. So again, it's another... It's, like, all, it's because it's in your head. It's, it's like mental. A, it's not <laughs> It's not fight or flight, though, really, is it? I mean, because because ultimately your brain isn't, isn't telling yourself what reality no, is. No, it's like a confusion of fight or flight. I mean, unless you, you're in a situation where it actually is dangerous, then it's not considered phobic. You know, it's just... I'm up somewhere where it's really dangerous. Remember, phobia is over time. It keeps happening. It keeps worsening. We're talking those kinds of levels where it really affects you, like me. <laughs> um, and, yeah, at, at that kind of a level, what was I talking about? Well, so, so um, and to bring it back to where he was doing, talking about the stool thing, right, where he was stool, gradually yes. moving up. You you mentioned that that is that really is the best way to conquer phobias, right? Is is immersion therapy is a big is a big deal when it comes to how to help people. It's not immersion therapy. It's um, experiential or. Um, well, they do immersion for certain things too, though, right? Certain like things, like yeah. spiders, and they, when they when they gradually introduce those things. Well, that's not immersion. Well, that that's not gradual. I should say that's uh, that's immersion. That's just tossing you in. Tossing you in. Right. Um, you know, in a well-executed program, it'll be a lot of retraining cognitively, you know, your ideas about what's happening, retraining the brain to think about the situation differently and to kind of get on the same page. Um, that way there's not that like cognitive dissonance disconnect that occurs. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, the experiential therapy, this is one of the only, Phobias that I can find um, that has had any research on um, virtual reality therapy, you know, using virtual reality to help um, 
folks with these phobias uh, work through their fears in a truly safe way um, and be able to translate that to real life experience. Hmm. So you're able to get into virtual, a virtual reality situation where you're climbing stairs or getting on top of, you know, or getting on top everything of a ladder is a graduated, or whatever. Everything is graduated. But you're in a right? safe space. Little but by you're, little, you're doing you learn it. grounding techniques to help ground your anxiety so that you can manage it better. Because it's a, it's a, it's a natural response with an irrat- irrational level of response. So you kind of learn to manage that. Um, if you've got some trauma associated with it, you have to address the trauma and kind of process through that um, in, a, in a lot of different ways. But virtual reality therapy, that's, that's uh, one of the things that can really help folks with a truly debilitating fear. So Jimmy Stewart had it right. He just, he just, he just he had it right. Yeah. He just didn't, have, he just didn't have the proper, he didn't have the proper uh, environment to, well, yeah. to, to, and to someone work, to, to guide do it him, properly. you know, someone to help. Um, remind him of the tools that he's acquired to be able to manage these these fears and these situations and to manage the brain's response to these situations. So Alfred Hitchcock, uh, one of the things that, that I was, as I was researching this and looking into to, to, uh, Hitchcock, uh, loved scaring the shit out of you by putting people in, in situations where they're, they're at high places, right? He loved this heights kind of concept. Even going back to uh, like 1940, he did a movie called Foreign Correspondent where there's a guy uh, hanging, jo- uh, Joel McRae, I believe is his name, is hanging on to the side of a windmill uh, in Saboteur in 1942. Uh, he, there's, a, there's a struggle, there's this big epic scene and there's a struggle at the top of, of the Statue of Liberty um, where the, the villain ends up uh, hanging from the side of the Statue of Liberty, and there's this insane scene. Like, Die hard. Like right, right. It's like this this iconic scene of this guy hanging off the side of the Statue of Liberty um, by one, you know, by one hand, and then you know the 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 good guy kind of grabs him to try to help him, but then he slips out of his grasp, and the guy falls from the Statue of Liberty to his death, you know, below. Mm-hmm. Um, and then really famously in North by Northwest, which actually came after. Uh, Vertigo, there's a scene with Cary Grant and Eva Marie Saint where they're being chased through woods and, and they get to this they get to this point where they can't run anymore and they realize they're at the top of of Mount Rushmore and they're standing like I mean crazy like top of the heads of the presidents and they end up having to climb down the heads of the presidents. Um, hanging on for dear life, you know, at a couple of spots and then looking down below them and seeing the ground way down below. So Hitchcock really, really liked to use this, this concept. This. And which is funny because, like I said, horror movies haven't really used the fear of heights all that much. You know, it's, you don't it's see it. it's a very common fear. Yeah, and you would think it would be used more often. And Hitchcock, and, and Hitchcock in general, loved to prey on our psychological uh, issues. And there was a lot of Freudian stuff with 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 Alfred Hitchcock too. And, and in fact, he once said that the best way to get rid of my fears is to make films about them. Mm-hmm. So it makes you wonder what kind of psychological issues he had going on. We clearly know he had some Oedipus stuff going on. There was some Oedipal stuff going on with Hitchcock. No doubt. You know, we see it in Psycho. We see it in the way that he treated his female leads. We see it in so many different areas in the way that he used talked about femininity and yeah, versus was, masculinity and and there's a lot of problems there in the way that he did his movies 
but you can see his pathological kind of psych, psych, psychological issues kind of flowing through those things, don't you think? That's also why he was so creatively brilliant and able to to hit home on so many of our, you know, tenderest places in terms of yeah, our he tapped, fears. Yeah, he tapped into them, right? He tapped into that psychology. He tapped into our our innate kind of fears on a level that I think mo- that directors had never, definitely before him, had never really done before. He certainly you know, hit on things in, 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 in all of his movies that were, you know, these types of things, these phobias, these, these things that, that make us more afraid, uh, in our brains than, than, yeah. than, 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 than traditional horror, right? He it wasn't, it wasn't some slasher. The, he didn't have a lot of, you know, creatures. It was, it was the creature that looks just like me, you know, the mm-hmm. human, or it was the, bur- the the normal creatures around me, suddenly they turn, or, you know, I'm sure you could go on with a million examples. Well, but... Psycho, right? I mean, the the most iconic scene in Psycho, if you ask people, right? The if shower you, scene? If you ask people about the shower scene, they will tell you they saw Janet Lee getting stabbed. They saw the knife going into her skin. It never happened. That whole scene was all him using that that he implant the every... way that he did his camera, the way he did everything. It was all in your head. You never saw the actual the actual murder. You saw the blood. You saw you know shadows. But you your saw brain all kinds of stuff. filled in the but blanks. your brain filled in the gaps. Right. Um, there's a similar scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All those things are, are psychological. That just goes to show you like how badly our brain fills in the gaps. Oh yeah, you know, like absolutely. But the point is, that, you know, I think I think he 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 definitely used these types of fears, right? Like the fear of heights is a fear that's that again. You said five percent have a clinical phobia, but there's probably seventy percent that have like a genuine oh, yeah. don't like to stand on the edge of in, a cliff. In any you know? movie theater, at least seventy percent of that room will get uncomfortable. Right. At the if thought. they see that, if they you saw know? that, and if that. you can just set somebody a little on edge, you know, you've you've done good work so far. Now you just have to, to build to that crest, the crescendo. Well, I recommend uh, reading. There was a really good article in uh, psychology today, which is one of Chris's favorite publications, um, about vertigo specifically called the most psychological film of all time. Um, and so I would recommend checking that out. We'll post it up on our, on our Facebook page and, uh, and, and, and uh, link you back to that. I think it's a really cool article. It basically goes into um, why Vertigo was is is now considered. It's actually now considered the by uh, a, a number of of big critic uh, lists as the greatest film of all time. It actually um, in Sight and Sound, which was a big British film magazine, it was it overtook Citizen Kane about five years ago, six years ago as considered the greatest film of all time so there's something there there's something that you know in his filmmaking and the way that he that he created these scenes of of just terror um where jimmy stewart is experiencing these these just crazy crazy no, phenomena no, no. right when you talk about jimmy stewart he's, you... he's doing he's doing it's just it's, it's just so high up here i'm just so scared of the heights oh. i'm so scared it's so i'm gonna i'm gonna fall Oh, Madeline, Madeline, <laughs> Madeline, come here, Madeline. Madeline, I'm not a Madeline. Yeah, that got real. You're Judy. I'm Madeline. Madeline, Judy, Judy. Carlotta. Oh, now you look like Madeline. 
Madeline, Carlotta, Judy. He, she was three. It gets a little confusing. No, it, it was really weird. And then he got really obsessive, and um, they got very uncomfortable there for a little it's, bit. It's no a, means it's, no, Jimmy Stewart. No means no. You know, you know what's funny is you don't is, dress people up like your dead ex. <laughs> That's the only way that he could touch her was if he looked like the dead girl. Hitchcock talked about tapping into his own feelings about necrophilia in this movie. So <laughs> there you go. That's gross. On that note, again, once again, bringing it back around. This is what I do, bro. You've been married to me for five years. You we went, know this. We went 15 minutes longer than, than episode number one. <gasps> Does that mean we're doing better or we worse? Went, we went longer, but was it good? I don't know. I feel better about it. I feel like... See, I feel not I feel more, about it. I feel more focused. I feel like the... You the, wouldn't feel good about it no matter what. That's just true. you. So... I, yeah. We'll let, we'll let our four listeners... <laughs> we'll let our four listeners send us text messages to uh, give us more critiques, which we definitely appreciate. Yes, uh, it, hel- it was so thanks, helpful. Chris, thanks, uh, thanks, uh, uh, Metal Tori. Chris. Thanks, Metal Chris. Thanks, Metal Chris. Tori. Thanks, Tori. Uh, Thanks, Billy. We got a, we got a few. What about uh, your cousin? If you got my my cousin Brent, Brent, yeah, Brent will be listening. Um, Billy. We actually got two people that I didn't know that actually got on our Facebook page today. Thanks to those people. Thank yeah. you, two people. You, you know you, who you are. If you if you ever end up listening to the podcast, we appreciate uh, that. And by the way, we are on uh, officially. We are on uh, we're on Anchor because that's where we host our our podcast out of. But we got approved on Pocket Casts. Uh, as well as Stitcher. So those are the three services that we are on currently, but you can always go to someofallfearpodcast.com and on someofallfearpodcast.com we'll post our uh, we'll post a new, you know, article posting of of the latest episode and then if you click on podcast it'll it'll have the uh, latest podcast automatically uploaded there from Anchor uh, through our RSS feed so you can always check it out there. Um, and also check out our Facebook page. Uh, we just started a Facebook page, uh, Facebook slash Some of All Fear Podcast. Um, and then we are also on Twitter at Some of All Fear Pod, P-O-D. Um, so check us out there and follow us. Uh, that one was, I already had that one established under a different name. So we've got a, we got a few followers on there and I follow a lot of my You're podcasts. You're so good with the social media. Thank you. Through Twitter. Heck yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's end it on that note. What do you think? Sounds good. I had fun. Do you remember your your sign-off line? I do. What is it? All right. Be kind to each other, everyone, and stay afraid. Stay very afraid. Bye, guys. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.